0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Most of us wouldn't call depression funny, but author and podcast host John Moe looks at mental illness in a different way. The Hilarious World of Depression is the name of both his podcast and his new memoir, both of which explore laugh-out-loud stories related to depression. And John Mo joins us now. Hi, John.
0: Thanks, Jen. Happy to be here.
1: So for people who aren't familiar with your work, tell us first about the podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression. Who who do you talk to and, and what are you trying to achieve in those conversations?
0: Um, we're basically trying to engender conversations about a subject that a lot of people haven't wanted to talk about and namely depression but all sorts of mental illnesses as well it got started a few years ago uh, with uh, primarily comedians i happen to know a lot of comedians i knew a lot of them had dealt with mental health issues and i thought that they explained it in a way that was both vivid and illustrative and really relatable, so that if you had dealt with depression yourself, you connected with some of the things that they were saying, and you felt a little less alone, a little more like part of a team. And then if you hadn't dealt with it, they did a good job uh, illustrating what it was like because it's such an impossible thing to define. So we talked about those experiences, and, and you know the laughter came not from belittling depression or, or making it insignificant, but by sharing kind of the stories of people who've been through something together. You know, I noticed that whenever people get together who've been through something difficult together, if you eavesdrop on those conversations, no matter how horrible it was, you hear laughter. You hear the the bond of, of common experience. And, you know, if we can laugh about our experiences, it takes the power of the illness down a notch.
1: Why do you think it's so important to talk openly about mental health?
0: For me, it's really personal. My brother died by suicide in 2007 uh, after a, a lifetime of addiction and depression, and those often go hand in hand. And in his case, he felt ashamed of his depression. He thought that he was doing something wrong. He thought that he was weak or making bad decisions when in fact he had a chronic illness. And so he never sought help for it and it killed him. So literally at his Uh, service, that is memorial service, the thought occurred to me that if we can create more dialogue, create more conversations, you know, with therapists and with doctors, but even just in our community, with our family, our friends, clergy, whatever it is, that there's a chance those people could be helped. There's more of a chance that they could be helped. And if we don't talk about it, if we keep it as a shameful thing and describe, ascribe a kind of moral weight to it that doesn't belong there, then there's every chance in the world that that person will get worse uh, because they'll think that this is something to be hidden and they'll be less likely to get any kind of treatment. So, you know, I've been in public radio since 2001. So at his service in 2007, I said, all right, I guess we need a loud mouth in this family. So I'll be the loudmouth. I'll start talking about it everywhere. And that's what I've been doing ever since
1: you said it's important not to apply a moral weight. Talk about that a little bit more because I think I think that's an important nuance that, that doesn't get teased out often enough.
0: Yeah, I mean there's, we're at a 30 year high for suicide in this country and it's especially acute for uh, men who are my age and who uh, are the around the age my brother died and there's this lingering it's toxic masculinity but it it sort of is. it pervades all all through society of like well toughen up you know just just deal with it just man up Or, or the the old idea well just you know try to get outside more try to get some exercise or try to smile more which i always say is like saying you know if you just smile more maybe you wouldn't have such leukemia Like go for go for a walk and that that broken leg will just vanish instantly. It just doesn't work like that. It's an illness. And, you know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be any more of a stigma to say that you're kind of trapped in this in this emotion thought cycle than it is to say that you have a toothache or that you have, you know, that your ankle hurts. So that's what I'm really trying to get across
1: you're open about your personal experience with depression and managing it. Yeah. How has this podcast and and your writing helped you in in being more transparent about your your own struggles and and maybe helped you find some a different set of tools to work through some of this?
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting because I've I've talked, you know, I've done dozens of these interviews. I've been doing the show for years and so the book is the story that I've never told on the show, which is my own story. I'm more interested in, in hearing what Maria Bamford has, has to say. You know, I'm interested in, in Dick Cavett, like some of these people. And so finally, with this book, I, I tell my own story. And there's a lot of discovery that went along with that. I had been in therapy several times over the years, but the best i had ever done was to be like, oh, OK, that's that's what's. Screwing me up. I hadn't done anything to to solve it, and when I learned more about therapy and how it works and how good therapy works, I kind of was able to approach it in a better way. And I write about that in the book. Like I decided to get better, and I figured out the ways to get better, and I, I found a good match with a therapist, which is a lot like dating. You know, like <laughs> you can go on a lot of bad dates and have it not work out, and it's nobody's fault. But yeah, I, I found cognitive behavioral therapy, which helped me a lot, and I kind of. More than anything, I was able to see patterns that repeat in other people and repeat in me. Like you know, if you're looking at kind of a, a scatter chart, you you kind of see the general flow of the data. And so once I understood the illness better, I was able to say, oh, okay, so that's that's what's happening here. I can figure that out through the research I've done, through the therapy I've done, through looking at my own history and writing this book. So here's where something's going wrong. Here's where I need to kind of uh, address my thinking and redirect it. And so, you know, I, I had I had thought originally, like getting into this, I was I was editing my first interview for the first episode of the show, and it was with Peter Sagal, down Chicago way. And I thought, oh no, like <laughs> I'm going to have to make this show out of everybody's worst experiences. But it's really a, a matter of uh, listening to these interviews, conducting these interviews, and finding. The comeback story that's built into them, whether it's the person getting better or whether it's the person just seeking more information and seeking more uh,
1: knowledge about this thing that they're dealing with. Do you find there's something um, particularly powerful in having conversations with people who are very public-facing, who can come and share something that that's very personal, but maybe makes it a little more. I don't want to use the word normal, but you know maybe that is no that is works. the word. Yeah.
0: yeah. No. I mean, I like I say, I want I want it to be very, very commonplace. And no, I mean, I've found, I mean, with with Peter Sagal, who's the host of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me on NPR, I was in Chicago for uh, an event, and I was at this party, and Peter approached me, and I've known him for years, and he said, Hey. I heard about your show, and, and I won in. And my first thought was, Peter, you already have a show. You don't get to host my show as well. That's not fair. Um, but he said, no, I want to be a guest. I've, I've been dealing with depression for a long time. And I said, and I had known Peter forever, and I had done research. And I said, I didn't know that you had dealt with this. And he said, well, that's because the only people I've ever talked to about it are doctors and you at this party right now. So I'm like, okay, well, there's our there's our first episode. He wanted to share his story because maybe his experiences would help somebody else feel less alone, and the things that he had found that worked and didn't work for himself might help somebody else. And I know that he's been he's been haunted in a good way by that interview ever since. People are always approaching him about it, and he's going to be part of my event in in Chicago um, on Tuesday night, but a lot of people have come forward and just said look i if i can if this whole experience can be beneficial for somebody else then something good will have come of it and that'll make me feel better about it i've certainly talked to a lot of uh pretty famous people who have nothing to gain from being on my podcast you know they're not going to they're not going to get more famous um you know Jeff Tweedy from Wilco was on and i'm like i'm not going to sell more wilco albums on <laughs> <in> my podcast <laughs> But he just said, I just think it might help people. And so I want to do that.
1: We're talking to John Moe, author and host of the podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression. He has a new memoir by the same name out just last week. And John is doing a virtual event with Chicago Bookstore, The Bookseller, tomorrow night at 7. You can find more information at booksellerinc.com. And by the way, that seller with a C. You know, John, right now, of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic and many people are, are struggling with their mental health. What are some of the ways people can cope with, with those feelings right now? Any, any thoughts?
0: Well, I mean, I try not to give advice because I'm not a therapist or a doctor, but based on the things I've observed and the conversations I've had, there's a lot about dealing with depression that um people have been using to deal with this kind of you know global (laughs) depression i mean a lot of the symptoms are the same this sort of uh unpegged fear about this unknown dangerous thing that's a feeling that folks with depression have been having for a long time and i've actually heard of people who are affected by the illness um being a little bit relieved because this is sort of what we've been waiting for. And also now it has a name and a, a molecule that looks like a Christmas tree ornament. And it's got, you know, it's it's in sharper focus and sharper relief than it was before. But there's a lot that, that people with depression do that I think anybody can benefit from. Like, for instance, looking at distortions, the brain will sometimes make folks with depression believe something that isn't really true or or will try to convince you of of something that isn't true. So so if things are bad, there's a distortion that things will always be bad. And so it doesn't really make sense, but your brain falls into it. And I think anybody can fall into that. Or like looking for magical thinking, saying like, oh, okay, because this number isn't so bad today, this bit of news is, is good today, then that means everything will be good. Tomorrow, and those are distortions of reality. And when you treat your depression, when you when you get a grip on it, you learn to spot those and say, "Oh, okay, that's that's not true." Let's let's redirect those thoughts to something a little more on the level. So it requires a vigilance with your own thinking that the regular world for for regular people um, doesn't really require. You can you can do it intuitively. It just takes more conscious effort uh, dealing with depression or, I think, dealing with how to live your life in the middle of a pandemic.
1: Well, I want to hear a little bit from the book. Uh, You you talk about what you call normies and saddies, basically people without depression and people with depression, respectively. Let's take a listen to a clip from the audio book.
0: The normies are in a big land yacht of a Buick, weighs a ton, low to the ground. When a stiff wind blows, the normies feel a mild push but continue driving, perhaps casually noting that it's getting windy out there. Then they go back to listening to, I don't know, Foo Fighters. The saddies are piled into a Model T with a sail on top of it for some reason. They see the wind coming, and it's all they can do to keep from being blown off the road and plunging into the canyon.
1: Is it helpful, do you think, to to think of depression as as a... Spectrum, or is there something in thinking about them as like these two these two clans
0: <laughs> i mean i use analogies a lot in the book and in talking about depression because it is so abstract it's formless it's colorless it's it doesn't have atoms <laughs> attached to it really as far as i know it and, and and it doesn't show up on any medical equipment and and really like the best writers I've read on the subject have a hard time defining it. And so that's what, again, I I think that's where comedians, um, or, you know, I've had, I've had writers, I've had, you know, musicians, lyricists on who, who talk about it. Um, I, I find that if I threw a bunch of analogies into the book, it was a little bit easier to relate to it, a little bit easier to get a grip on. I mean, I've had some, some success defining it as a person. And as I think I say in the book, that it really becomes like your best friend, because it's with you all the time. It's just a best friend who's always sort of casually trying to find ways to kill you. And so, you know, while that doesn't make it a very good friend, you at least sort of learn its patterns and, and learn where it's going.
1: That's John Moe, host of the podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression, and author of the new memoir by the same name. He's been sharing his unique perspective on mental illness and living through the COVID-19 pandemic. He has a virtual event with Chicago Bookstore, the bookseller, tomorrow night at 7. We'll tweet out a link at WBEZ Reset with more information. John, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much, Jen. It's great to talk to you. you.
1: And that's today's Reset. For the latest, most up-to-date information on COVID-19 and the stay-at-home orders in Illinois and Chicago, tune to 91.5 or go to WBEZ.org. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And let's talk again soon.